Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 3 called Taking Away and Creating. Open up your Bible to the book of Romans, please. We are going to be in Isaiah tonight, but I want to remind you of a couple important things when you're studying the Old Testament. Romans 15 is the first one I want you to look at. Lots of times when you see Paul refer to the scriptures, he is referring to the Old Testament. And it is important that we as students of scripture understand how we are to read what happened to Israel and how that applies to the church and the new covenant. So look at Romans 15, verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself, Romans 15, 3. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached thee fell upon me, Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in earlier times, you might want to just underline that phrase, was written for our instruction. This is Romans 15, 4, middle of the verse. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. That word has some dual meaning. It means learning. So it has the idea of a didactic type of approach, but it also has an instructive nuance where it means for our learning so that our actions would be uh, in keeping with what we learn. That through perseverance, middle of four, and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance, I love the fact that God gives us this, and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. That with one accord, verse six, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn to the next book, 1 Corinthians. Look at chapter 10. Talking about how are we to understand what happened to Israel and read it and apply it properly. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6. Now these things happened as examples for us, 1 Corinthians 10, 6, that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. That the they is Israel. And do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them, in context Israel, as an example and they were written for our instruction. There's that idea again. And it can have the idea of a mild rebuke or a warning. They were written to warn us. They were written to instruct us. The best kind of warning is a warning that you receive and then act upon so you don't make the same mistakes that everybody else made. So you don't say, I have to learn the hard way. We don't want you to learn the hard way. So the Bible's basically saying that. Don't learn the hard way. Don't do what they did Look at their example and learn from it. Uh, For our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come, and here speaking the times of the Messiah and beyond, therefore let him who thinks 
he stands, take heed lest he fall. Remember, this, these were the people of God and they saw all those miracles. And then he talks to us about temptation. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. And so it is important that we recognize that when we look at Israel, we must understand that the Bible's telling us these things are written for our instruction. I want you to go to the book of Isaiah. That's where we are teaching verse by verse through the book. We're in chapter three tonight. And this is relevant, what we just shared, because there's a lot of things that we look at in these chapters and we go, my goodness, is this, how much application is there to the church? How much application is there to me as a believer? Well, there's some, but we have to remember that that we're reading about Jerusalem and Judah. We're reading about God's dealing with the nation of Israel and we are looking at both a historic situation, what happened to them, what was prophetic, what was ahead at their time, and then what will culminate in the day of the Lord and the millennium. So we must keep these ideas in mind as we look at uh, Scripture so we understand how this applies. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for your grace in our lives. Your grace is indeed enough. Your grace keeps on coming, grace upon grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. But we know that sin still has consequences. And Lord, it's your desire to save us, to warn us about the right way to live, to spare us from significant consequences, that we might walk and indeed experience abundant life and also be a witness to those who are in this world and those who do not have hope. You are the God of hope. You're the God that gives perseverance and encouragement. You're the God of all mercy and all comfort and all grace. And we're grateful for that um, grace that's been poured out upon our lives. And as we read these Old Testament scriptures, help us to keep in mind how much grace you have shown us, but how you also dealt with your own people, the apple of your eye, the city that you put your name forever on, Jerusalem, and what happened to them, and that we might be instructed, that it might be a mild rebuke to us, it might be a warning, a preemptive warning, hopefully, for many of us, and if not preemptive, it might be something that we look at and then make some adjustments so that we might live for you. We lay the Bible study at your feet, pray your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1. I want you to see in your Bible the word for, behold. For behold. Now when you see a word for like that, it's a connecting word. And remember that chapters were added later in your Bible just to help us to reference things. And so basically the word for connects us back to thoughts that closed chapter 2. And chapter 2 was talking about, remember, it fast-forwarded us into the day of the Lord. If you look at chapter 2, verse 18, 17, the pride of man will be humbled, Isaiah 2, 17, the loftiness of men will be abased, and the Lord alone will be exalted, just mark this thought, in that day. But the idols will completely vanish, and men will go into caves of the rocks, and into the holes of the ground before the terror of the Lord and before the splendor of his majesty. When he arises, mark that, to make the earth tremble. 
we believe that this fulfillment will be the day of the Lord. So just keep that in mind. The, earth, the Lord will arise and he will uh, make the earth tremble. Did you feel the mountains tremble? In that day, men will cast away to the moles or here the idea of the rodents and the bats. And it seems like they're in the, the caves here. Their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, they will become useless. They'll throw them to the lowest of animals in order to go into the caverns of the rocks, 21, and the clefts of the cliffs before the terror of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he arises to make the earth tremble. And then he says, stop regarding man whose breath of life is in his nostrils Why should he be esteemed? This will be the day of the Lord and he alone will be exalted in this day. Now you see the word for, linking us to the previous chapter. Behold, the Lord God of hosts is going to remove from Jerusalem and Judah. Now if you've studied end times prophecy, you know that much of what happens in the end times will be centered in Jerusalem and radiate into the world, okay? So he says, the Lord God of hosts, and that description of the Lord is the God of hosts speaks of him as the the God of war. He's going to remove the God of judgment from Jerusalem and Judah, both supply and support, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water. Now, if you've looked at the Bible and history, you know that this has happened um, on several occasions to Israel. It happened when Babylon came. It happened when Rome came under Titus Vespasian. Historically, we know that happened in AD 70 when the temple was destroyed. And part of the strategy of the Roman army was to get people trapped into a corner and starve them out. And there are some really gruesome tales told by Josephus, uh, one of the historians of the time, where he says that people started to eat their children, and it was just an ugly, ugly time. This was one of the strategies of war. If you could trap uh, those you were attacking and keep them from supply, you would basically get them out to, to come and surrender, or you could kill them once they got desperate enough for food. Well, the Lord is behind this particular uh, judgment. And remember that I told you that in context, we have to keep in mind that a lot of this, the the ultimate fulfillment of this will happen in the day of the Lord, which is yet future to us. The day of the Lord will be the time that the Lord pours out his wrath on unbelieving mankind. And I believe that will follow the rapture. The, The church will be pulled out and then the day of the Lord will come. We have not been appointed to wrath, but unbelieving uh, nations ha- have been appointed to wrath, and that is when the day of the Lord will come, when God will judge. Part of the horror of what happens in wartime and what will happen in this time is that both supply and support will be taken away. Notice the whole supply of bread, end of verse 1, and the whole supply of water. Seems to me that those are the two most basic staples that one could partake of, and they will be gone in whole, not in part. So this will be a very desperate time for people. Uh, That which is the most basic staple that stabilizes mankind will be taken away from him. And then where will he look for his uh, hope and support? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Merry Christmas from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. We're so grateful to all of our partners who partner with Walk in Truth. Since last year, our listener partnerships have grown. Last Christmas, we let our listeners know it cost over $150,000 a year to fund this ministry. That includes radio airtime, podcasting, promotion, equipment, supplies, and one part-time staff member. At this time last year, we were excited to report listener support had reached 25% of our overall budget. The rest is funded by Living Truth Christian Fellowship Church funds. Now that has grown to 31%, and because of that, we have added Walk in Truth to three more radio stations, where more people have had a chance to hear these teachings. We could still use your help, too. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I rarely do this, and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for finances, but the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do, and it's a blessing to partner with what you believe in, with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you. If that's you, would you please consider giving an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation? Please give a one-time gift on behalf of you, your family, or business. You can help us pay for airtime for the radio station or podcast app you listen to. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click Donate. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. What happens in wartime and what will happen in this time is that both supply and support will be taken away. Notice the whole supply of bread, end of verse 1, and the whole supply of water. Seems to me that those are the two most basic staples that one could partake of, and they will be gone in whole, not in part. So this will be a very desperate time for people. Uh, That which is the most basic staple that stabilizes mankind will be taken away from him. And then where will he look for his uh, hope and support? Uh, I believe that you can see a near-far fulfillment, just keeping in mind the context again, that this did happen. Part of this was fulfilled in the Babylonian captivity in the fall to Assyria. The northern kingdom fell to Assyria early uh, 701, I think somewhere in there. Was that? I think that's the right date. 586 was when they fell to Babylon in the south. So this was a near fulfillment to the time that Isaiah wrote, yet future to him when he's writing. And yet it will have some ultimate ramifications, as I mentioned, in the day of the Lord, yet future to us. And so bread and water will be taken away. This is Deuteronomy 8, 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to you to give to your forefathers. Deuteronomy 8, 2. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not, Deuteronomy 8.3. And he humbled you and let you be hungry, and he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. The point of the Exodus wanderings, the point of God taking away both support and supply for Israel was to see, to test them, to see what was in their heart. What was the lesson? Why would God test them? God doesn't put you through a test unless he's trying to uh, get something deep in your soul. What was the point of the test? 
that he would teach them that man does not live by bread alone. Man can live in a physical sense with bread and water, but man cannot experience life unless he understands every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, unless he understands what spiritual nourishment is that will feed his soul and his inner man, he will not have life. He might, may be alive, but he's dead in sins and trespasses. He may be able to fill himself, as we saw last week, with many things, to, to be full and, and to have uh, possessions and, and plenty of meals, uh, more than his, his need, but he will find an emptiness that will radiate in his being until he knows the living God who gives life. That's the point. And so when God took Israel through those wanderings, and remember, those things were written for our instruction, God's point was, you can live a certain way, you can fill your tank with a bunch of different things, but until I fill you, you will be bankrupt of what I consider to be true life. And that's spiritual life. See, the, the lesson of the manna we know, and Jesus, Jesus expounded on it in John chapter six, is that the bread of heaven is who? It's the Messiah. So he links coming to him and believing him, believing in him with eating and drinking. The people were following after Jesus because he did the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children. And Jesus said, don't labor for the food that spoils. I believe an allusion to the manna that would spoil if you tried to collect too much. Remember that? The worms would come out. Don't labor for the food that perishes, but for the food which will endure to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because on him, God has set his seal. God the Father is pointing to Jesus and saying, my seal is on him. Listen to him. He is the giver of life. He is the giver of the bread. So the whole manna uh, experience was to point to the Messiah. Are you with me? So God is saying, look at my people's experiences in the desert. Look at my people's experiences with idols, with the temptations of nations around them, with the occult and all that stuff, and learn that you will not thrive in that kind of environment. You will not have what is true life. You may be full, but you will be empty. And I tell you what, a lot of us have learned that lesson over the years, have we not? I mean, we've tried to fill ourselves with everything that the world says. Maybe this will do it. Maybe this will do it. I'll try this. I'll try that. And every single time, it doesn't produce what it promises. Verse 2. Now, here's another thing. God is taking away that he might create new. That's kind of the theme behind this. And here's the second idea. The mighty man, he's going to take away the leaders now. He takes away the sustenance, the bread and water, now the leaders. The mighty man, verse 2. And the warrior, the judge, and the prophet, the diviner, or the soothsayer, NIV, and the elder. So those who were leaders, maybe in a legitimate sense, and even the occultic diviners, verse 3, the captain of 50, and the honorable man, the counselor, and the expert artisan, and the skillful enchanter, all a list of leaders. And I will make mere lads, or little kids, their princes. And capricious children will rule over them. If you have an NIV, it says, I will make boys their officials. Mere children will govern them. The idea is that a part, another part of what God is going to take away 
from na- the nation of Israel because of their wayward ways is he will remove sustenance and he will remove leadership. He will remove mature leaders from their land so that those who rule them may not be literally boys, but they will be irresponsible leaders. Here's a picture of both inexperience and incompetence. Their leaders will be a direct reflection of them and their behavior. You've been listening to Taking Away and Creating, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 3. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's great to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church in Corona, California, although we recommend you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, sometimes when we study a book like Isaiah and many other books of the Bible, Old and New Testament, we see judgment passages. And one of the things that we need to realize is that God uh, is very patient. You know, he puts judgment off for a long time. He warned and warned and warned some more. And he warned through the prophet Isaiah. But the people would not see. They had shut their ears. They had closed their eyes. They had hardened their hearts. And judgment was coming. And judgment, in this case, in the southern kingdom, would come through Babylon. And God would judge. Now, the righteous, there would be a righteous remnant, and God would reward them. But those who wouldn't repent, judgment finally came. And this is a hard concept, I think, for some in our world. But is it that hard? I mean, we know that when we do something wrong in the world, uh, judgment does come. Although, you know, things are kind of crazy in the world right now. But um, this is just a natural way that things work. And God is patient. And remember that when God even disciplined his people and a 70-year captivity ensued, the end point of that was to return them to the land and to refine them and teach them. And so even judgment and discipline can have a uh, cleansing effect, if you will, in our lives. Not an easy concept, but it is a biblical concept because God is a righteous judge. And remember, the book of Isaiah is taking us all the way to the cross, Isaiah 52, 53, where God himself will become a human and take the judgment himself. Stand in our place at the cross, as it were, and pay the ultimate ransom, taking the wrath of the Father. Uh, amazingly, the Son endures it. The stroke that was due To God's people, he endured. Oh my, this is why you and I need Jesus. The book of Isaiah is pointing to the salvation. Everything is moving in that direction. Do you know him? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Have you embraced the suffering servant? Maybe you're a Jewish listener and You're hearing the book of Isaiah and you're like, man, this is part of the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah. And I would encourage you to read Isaiah 52, the end of the chapter in 53, and see that the suffering servant is Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve Mark 10, 45 and give his life as a ransom for many, for you and me. Do you know him? You might say, Pastor Michael, how do I come to know him? 
by asking him into your life, by repenting of your sin, by asking him to forgive you and save you, by thanking him for the cross and the resurrection. Something like this, if you're driving, keep your eyes open. Oh, Lord Jesus, save me. I've sinned against heaven. I've broken your law over and over again. I'm so sorry. Thank you for going to that terrible cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior, my God and my King. Let me be born again to a living hope. Let me follow you all the days of my life. Help me, Lord. Save me and restore me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome to the family. Hey, we'd like to help you in getting going in your Christian walk. A couple of keys would be get into the Bible and get the Bible into you. You're listening to a Bible program, so you're already doing that. But maybe read through the Gospel of John or maybe read all the way through Isaiah. And the other thing is uh, you need to find a good Bible-teaching church, not just a Bible-believing church, but one that teaches through the Word of God and lets the text speak to all of us. Hey, if we can help you in any way with that, 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That would be 9 to 4 uh, Pacific time, Tuesday through Friday, 844-48-TRUTH. Well, we love you and appreciate you, all of you partners and all of you listening. Pray that the program has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow for more in Isaiah chapter 3. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 3 called Taking Away and Creating. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.